It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I'm with Zerlina Maxwell, and we are really excited about the conversation that we get to have right now because Emily Ratajkowski, you know her as a supermodel, as an actor, um, you know her image well. She's written a book. It's called My Body. And I first became aware of it when an essay from it was published describing a book of photographs that was being published, all of her, without her permission or authorization, which was something that I didn't, I didn't know could happen. So here to talk about the book, My Body, and the commodification of a person, Emily Ratajkowski, thank you so much for being here this morning. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So the book is my body. It is intensely personal. It's like it's honestly it's like nothing I've I've read before from somebody in this industry and it's a serious act of bravery. Like you didn't have to put any of this stuff out. So I, I guess my my first question is um when did you how did you decide that your story was one that you wanted to share with everybody um of your own volition you wanted to share it? Yeah. Um, when people say it was brave, I'm sometimes like, do you mean stupid? Is that is that the word <laughs> that um, you would use the word brave, not stupid? Okay. Um, no, I mean, I think that for me, um, well, one thing is, is that I actually didn't decide to publish while I was writing. I had written almost 50,000 words by the time I even considered, okay, maybe wow. there's a book in here and maybe I should get a lit agent. And um, it was actually a really precious time in a lot of ways that I don't think I appreciated or realized, but it sort of a, a allowed me to be as vulnerable as I am in the writing um, because I just didn't really think about um, other people reading it. Um, mm. And then once the book proposal was together, New York Magazine selected the essay you were just talking about from that. Um, and that was in a, a really encouraging experience. Um, I sort of felt like, who's going to care about this? We have a culture that, you know, doesn't exactly love and celebrate women, period. But then <laughs> yes. especially celebrities. And, you know, we were in a very specific time, middle of pandemic. Um, I just kind of was like, who, if anyone's even going to care, you know, and I've had a lot of experiences too, where even in that essay, I chronicle kind of like going public with my feelings about something and, and receiving just like a lot of backlash and, you know, horrible comments and whatever. But um, it was amazing kind of the outpouring of support that came from that essay. And that kind of gave me the extra kick in the butt to say, all right, let's do this. Let's write this book. I mean, the thing that I think, uh, you know, really attracted me to the book when I first when I first heard about it is because I think about this. I, I think about this a lot because on this show, we're, we're a feminist morning show. So we talk a lot about capitalism. We talk a lot about humanity, um, you know, seeing people's humanity and respecting it, dignity, human dignity. Um, but also the idea that we we exploit humans a lot in a lot of contexts um, because of capitalism. And we that's sort of the, the answer to a lot of the questions like, why are we letting this happen? It's because somebody was making money. Yeah. Um, and and I think one of the things about modeling specifically and why this is 
especially impactful is because one of the things models do is is they don't they don't talk they are there mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. quiet um and and therefore the visual and um him, yeah. and it, right and and so we're all we're consuming your image but you're mm-hmm. you don't get to speak and so in in the book you're you're able to speak can you talk about just this broader idea because i think that's sort of the thing underpinning all of it um but you could mm-hmm. also um you know let me know if 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 that's not right um no which that's is totally which is, right which is this idea of like the commodification of like a person like your body mm-hmm. at some point wasn't yours mm-hmm. if, you know you started out with it being yours and then at some point it sort of shifts and it becomes owned and controlled by the people who are making money off of you mm-hmm. do you know at what point you realized that had happened or that was happening um no and, i think i yeah. didn't have um i didn't realize it had happened um and actually that's kind of why this book was so important for me to write was because um in my early 20s i actually mistook kind of the attention and the power and the success that i had gained from commodifying my image and body as real power um, as empowerment. Um, so I didn't actually understand the ways that I was being used or, you know, at some in some moments taken advantage of or profited off of and how much I had kind of lost touch with taking care of myself um, in like the actual physical, literal sense, but also just in kind of like, what do I want? <laughs> what what do I want for my life? What, what do I want for, you know, my career? Um, because I was so focused on the money and, you know, kind of the way that the validation and the way that you're, you feel. And it's funny, I mean, obviously I'm talking about modeling right now, but I think a lot of my female friends relate to that experience of being 19, 20, kind of being thrown into an adulthood and being a woman and, and having that attention and thinking like, oh, I control the world actually. Like men, you know, older powerful men are interested in me. Um, and I, I think like, that is a mistake that we we can make because it's that's how the world makes us feel and that's when you know abuse of power happens and women are taken advantage of um a lot of the times and i think that's why so many women look back when they're 25 or 30 and go oh shit yeah no i wasn't exactly what i thought it was yes we do spend a lot of our a lot of our uh growing up years um sort of coming to terms with stories that we thought were different when we lived them yeah Um, and to your point about the you know one dimensionality of like the image and you know um modeling that is so it's something that you know is definitely true it's why i didn't put an image on the cover and kept the text you know it just to be a text cover because this is everything that those kind of one dimensional emily's mm -hmm. that image that's out in the world that people have of me that you see on instagram or google or paparazzi photos this is everything that that is not um so there was a, a a piece of the first essay that you published out of this book that that describes that encounter with the photographer who wound up publishing the the book of photos without your permission um where you said something that i i read it and it it was so heartbreaking because i so want to live in a world where this is just all it is you said that your body felt like a superpower you mm-hmm. were confident naked unafraid and proud and i 
I loved that image. The idea mm-hmm. that somebody would be, yes, I'm freaking beautiful. And I look amazing without my clothes on. Like I want to live in a world where that's the entire story. Mm-hmm. And the idea that you feel that way doesn't mean that the men you're around are entitled to that body. It means mm-hmm. that you get to feel good and confident and unafraid that way. I, and I thought it, it was this. I'm, I'm going to say brave again. I don't think it was stupid. <laughs> I, I think it was it was brave not only to explain the things that had happened to you and the various ways that you had been taken advantage of physically and financially, but also to admit that that was something that you you enjoyed doing. You liked doing it. It, it mm-hmm. should have been a source of economic and physical strength. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm wondering, are are you. Have you lost that part entirely or is there a piece of you that is sort of able to reclaim that that initial like, yes, this is me and I'm proud of it? Um, that's a great question. I mean, I think that's the central one of the central questions that the book is um, and I explore it in a later essay in the book, which is, you know, is there a power in my body and is that power ever really mine? Um, and, you know, I think it was really important for me to describe you know, the ways that I felt confident and powerful in in my body as like a young woman. Um, interestingly now, and this is another kind of thing I cover in the book, um, but it's a really complicated issue. Like, I think like in order to be taken seriously and to even be, you know, I was thinking about my social media right now. Like it's all book stuff. It's all portraits of me looking very serious. Um, and the thought that I would like post something kind of sexy right now, I, I feel like that would be, that would be really bad for me. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a strange kind of thing. And I see this and I write about it in the book, like actresses who, you know, make a name off of like having a beautiful body or like getting naked in a movie or, um, you know, posting certain type of Instagram photos. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, now you're a serious actress and they like wear turtlenecks and diamond studs and part their hair to the side and like look like they're going to tea to see the queen of England. Um, and that always felt kind of weird to me that these young girls and not only, you know, even Kim Kardashian is an example I use in the book. She, um, you know, when she started doing her justice reform work, which is so important, she talked about feeling really awkward, you know, posting a bikini picture and then going to the White House the next day. And and it's so ironic because, I mean, what how she's gotten to the position that she can go to the White House to fight for things she cares about is by, you know, being objectified by capitalizing off of her sexuality and her image. But then it's like, once you get to a certain point, people are like, well, if you want us to take us seriously, <laughs> you know, we're, you're going to need to kind of change your image. Um, and that's so confusing for women. Um, and I think especially it reflects the experience that young girls have, um, or at least I had, where you hit puberty, all of a sudden you have breasts, and you're kind of playing with that power even just by getting dressed in the morning and saying like, do I wear a tight t-shirt? Okay, boys at school, maybe they're gonna give me attention, but also, you know, I could break the dress code and teachers are gonna feel uncomfortable around me and I don't wanna make people, you know, the shame and also kind of the validation you get at the same time. Um, And I think that that goes on in middle schools and it also goes on with people like Kim Kardashian. Mm -hmm. We're constantly doing that negotiation. 
Um, so right now, it's something I've just kind of like was thinking about a little bit yesterday. I was doing all this press and going on, you know, CBS this morning and The View and whatever, and thinking like, imagine if I showed up in something sexy like this wouldn't it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People would be mad, you know. <laughs> it's it's so it's so interesting to think about um, if you can have power from you know wearing something sexy or being sexy without thinking about the male gaze because i think that that's Mm -hmm. sort of the problem right it's the patriarchy (laughs) um Mm -hmm. and and so so i think we're always in the context where the male gaze is present Mm -hmm. there's very few instances unless you're like alone where that's not true so like i think it it it's it's also who um the sexy attire is for um mm-hmm. or or who who people think you're wearing it for um and that's where i think the judgment would come in like why is she wearing that when we you know she wants us to take her seriously which again it goes back to the patriarchy <laughs> yeah and um it was really interesting this profile uh andrea long chu wrote about me in the book um for new york times magazine and she wrestled with that idea because a lot of the book is actually about women and my relationships to other women whether it be famous women women i knew in high school um my mother um and i'm like you know kind of talking about is there a moment where women can escape the gaze um one of my friendships in high school i look back you know when i'm writing about it And I feel like it was entirely, it was a friendship built around male attention. Mm -hmm. Like the boys in high school um, decided that we were like hot girls. And so we became friends because that was sort of like what it it seemed right. So we'd Mm -hmm. go to house parties together, whatever. And when we were alone, it was sometimes kind of awkward and strange because we weren't really friends. We didn't feel, have the supportive vulnerability that now I know so well and, and really close female friendships. Um, and it's really hard to ever remove the gaze. You said, you know, it, you know, sometimes when you're alone, I mean, I would say that the, that I've internalized it so much. It's very hard for me to kind of let go of that, especially as somebody whose, you know, financial success and survival depended on knowing what angle of my body and my <laughs> face appealed to the gaze, you know? Did you have the experience that a lot of women did in pandemic where the lockdown portion of pandemic was for a lot of us the first time that we were pretty much out of the male gaze? Like the only men that we saw were the ones that we had already invited into our apartments for better or worse. Mm -hmm. And we weren't perceived on the street and makeup really became like either you let it go completely or you realized that you loved playing with makeup. And that was something Mm -hmm. that you did for yourself in your own time. It was was that period of time beneficial for you? Did did you did you feel that at all? No, <laughs> to be I'm totally sorry. honest with you, no. Um, I was like, wow, that's cool. Um, that sounds like a really nice time. Um, you know, I think that I'm especially, like, I'm always connected to the gays in some way. I mean, there were paparazzi outside of my apartment during COVID, which was wild. Like, the streets were empty, but there was still paparazzi. Actually, Andy Cohen said to me yesterday that it was him and I were the only people left in the city. So that's why they were shooting us in like (laughs) April 2020. Um, So, you know, I was still being photographed kind of without without wanting to be. Um, And also, you know, the Internet 
I just don't, I don't know. I think like a, the idea that we escape the gaze when we don't go outside, like we now exist in a virtual reality that's right. sort of constantly um, making us aware of, of the way that we're being perceived. And you don't have to be a model to have that experience. I mean, any woman who uses social media and posts pictures of herself knows that. Right. Yeah. It's right. so, so true. Um, one of the, the other questions I had is um, in, as part of the conversation, um, around the book, um, there was a sort of re reemergence of the conversation around blurred lines as, um, mm -hmm. you know, well, the lyrics of blurred lines in particular, not as much the video, because I think at the time when I saw the video, I was mad about the words of the song. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I don't know that I, mm -hmm. and, and, and I, and at the time, you know, I'm a survivor who teaches rape culture um you know to college students when we could do that on campuses <laughs> um and and so one of the examples i used was the the lyrics of blurred lines mm -hmm. um and not the video because i actually for me i think i wasn't necessarily putting the two together mm -hmm. should we put the two together now that i know more about your experience making mm -hmm. that video um i i see that there's a direct link between the idea that you know consent is is not necessary um and mm -hmm. the and the lyrics of that song sort of the idea that um you know you you can sort of say the words abusers say and put it to a good beat and people don't don't see, see what you're really saying yeah um you know i don't know um i think that my experience on that video is complicated and that's you know, what I wanted to capture with that essay. I wasn't completely lying when I, you know, talked about how good I felt on that set. It's actually an example of the same piece of that Jonathan Letter, um, you know, mm -hmm. experience where mm -hmm. I was actually surrounded by women. It was um, a female DP, a female director, all the props people, a lot of the set people were women, makeup artists, um, and compared to other jobs, at that point where I really felt like a mannequin, I would do the front, the side, the back of a shirt. I mean, it was just like, you know, kind of dehumanizing in a way. Um, and I was really young and the other kinds of jobs I was doing was shooting, being shot by, you know, men twice my age in their like shitty apartments. And this felt like this amazing moment where everybody asked me if I liked how I looked, you mm. know, um, mm -hmm. And like, did I like my outfit? Was I, did I like the lipstick? How did I feel, you know, how did I feel? And before a lot of, you know, T.I. Pharrell, Robin Thicke came to set, it was just this amazing environment with these women I felt really comfortable with. And I was dancing around like it was our project, like it was our creative project. Um, and so that's why you kind of have that like silly, fun, performance mm -hmm. um that i gave because it yeah. really that's mm -hmm. that was the a reaction to the environment i was in um that was what i focused on when i talked about the video you know and people asked me about you know what what i thought about it was it misogynistic i was like no listen i actually i felt pretty damn good i would even go as far as to say i was empowered blah 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 i think that word is really complicated i'm still trying to figure out the definition <laughs> of it to be honest um but you know I, I also felt really protective and kind of 
defiant, uh, protective of the other women um, and yeah. the set that they had created. So, you know, when I thought about the experience, I didn't want to focus on those men. I wanted to kind of give credit to the women who had made this viral video um, and, you know, made me feel so comfortable. But yes, there was a, a moment where I think, you know, kind of in a, pow a power, an attempt to kind of take power, mm -hmm. um, you know, Robin, like, had this kind of like goofy expression on his face, did this thing, and I felt humiliated. Um, but also I felt like, let's just move that over because like, I wanna focus on the other part of this experience. Um, so like both things exist, you know? And yep. that's, I think, how a lot of these experiences are for women, which is why it yep. gets so complicated. And, you know, now I think I mean, definitely when I was 15, I thought rape was, you know, being grabbed by someone, a stranger and being taken to an alleyway. I did not understand right. consent. And I think that, you know, that extends just beyond that even example. I think that um, like what happened to me on that set was complicated. There were moments where I felt really great and moments where I obviously didn't. I think what's so revolutionary about the way that you're writing about this is that you are holding both truths at the same time. And yeah. the idea that you wouldn't want to focus on the men and you wouldn't want to focus on the moment of assault or the moment that you feel dehumanized when there were good things happening that day, mm -hmm. that's just, hum that's, that's a human impulse. Mm -hmm. Like, and yet we, we use it to sort of discredit survivors who are talking about that experience, or we decide to make the experience only about the trauma yeah, and, and erase everything else. And, and I think what you're doing in this, in this book is, is, is bringing both to light. It's, it's the, it's the complicated, uh, nuanced nature of, of being, of being commodified, which is in some ways a system you're participating in and in some ways a system you're rejecting. So Yeah, I mean, I think that's the source of shame for so many women is that there are moments where it feels, there are things that that feel good in these experiences, you know, despite this, this other side that is horrible, you know? And that's where you can have a lot of shame because you have mixed emotions. It's not just clean cut, good, bad. Right. Which is why it felt so important for me to write about all of it. Can I ask what what's next? Like, are is this something that I, I hope that you keep writing? I hope that that's something that's that's in your future. I'm not sure what your relationship with modeling is at at this point. Like, do you do you are you able to see yourself in five years? Do you know what trajectory you want your career to take? Yeah, I mean, listen, I one of the things I didn't realize I was writing about, um, and it was only sort of when I read the book, <laughs> it was hardbound and I reread it, I realized like, wow, I've always wanted to be an artist. I've, I've always wanted to be the creator, you know, not the muse. Um, and that I, that's part of the reason that I haven't been fulfilled and happy in this career because um, I was almost envious and like craving, you know, being the creative, being the one in control. Um, that to me was the thing that, you know, I had intended to do when I went off to college and then kind of took this thing thinking it would be like a financial success and all of a sudden it became my life. Um, <laughs> but listen, it's brought me to a place where I could write this book and publish it and talk about it with you guys on the show. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, but I mean, basically the, the thing 
that I feel about modeling is, you know, what I've already sort of how my approach has changed is having as much control as I can in situations where I'm where I'm working. So I'm not just sort of showing up as a body and a mannequin, but I'm participating creatively. Um, I'm participating in the way that I'm being portrayed. Um, that's huge as far as the modeling goes. But I mean, really what I'm interested in doing is making things. So, you know, whether or not that's a, another book in the next five years or it's a different kind of medium or project, that's what I want to do. Well, I can't wait to see what you create. I'm very Same. excited for it, whatever it is. Emily Ratajkowski, yeah. the book is my body. I couldn't possibly recommend it more. Um, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thank you so thank much you. for having me. It was really wonderful to talk to you guys. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening. 